Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. All right. Well, Pastor Eric sends his love from Durant, Oklahoma this morning. He is there preaching for his dad and his mom who are in Israel this week. So be praying for them and for him. And I'm sure things are going great in Durant. uh, And you are stuck with me. Actually, I told Eric, he said, you know, send, send everybody my love, tell them I miss them and all of that. And I said, they don't care, they get me. They don't, they don't care where you are. <laughs> Y'all are so sweet. That is why I love you. All right, today I have a message to share with you out of Philippians chapter 4, and it's uh, just a personal message that I want to hopefully encourage you with. It's, it's just something that's been ministering to me recently, and so I want to share it with you this morning. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 6 and 7. Years ago, um, actually, I've kind of always had the reputation, especially with my husband, that I don't act my age. I uh, find myself doing stupid stuff with the kids sometimes, and, you know, sometimes I do end up hurting myself, and when you get to be my age, it hurts a little bit more than it did when I was uh, a little bit younger. But years ago, when Maddie and Laurel were little, um, we had moved, they were babies, like maybe two and one we had moved to the Austin area to plant a church with Eric's mom and dad. And also, Eric and his brother embarked on a journey that uh, didn't last long, but they bought a music store and recording studio. And so they thought it would be a lot of fun. Turns out they're not the great, greatest business people or weren't at the time. And so, but it was, it was something that they wanted to do. So we're, we found ourselves living in Austin, Texas, or near Austin, we were actually outside of San Marcos, but we all kind of moved there at one time. So uh, Pastor Terry and Sandy, which some of you know, they pastor in Sulphur Springs, and they happen to be Eric's parents' best friends. They were pastoring in San Marcos at the time, so they already lived there, and they had rented this really big house. It was kind of like two houses that had been merged into one, and so we all moved in with them. Lucky them. Um, It was, so it was John and Ann, me, Eric, our two girls, and then Terry and Sandy and their son, Brian, who was a teenager at the time. Uh, he's, he's a pastor of a church now, married with two kids of his own. But at the time, he was like a little brother to me. And I was around 23, so um, we would roughhouse quite a bit together, and, and I would often get in trouble for it because I would end up getting hurt or something like that. But I've just, I've never acted my age, and, you know, I, I try to grow up a little bit, and it's just no fun, so... That's just how it is. Eric's had to get used to it. But one day, Brian and I were jumping on the trampoline outside of this commune that we lived in. And um, we we were having a lot of fun, but he he kept trying to pop me up. And those of you who have been on a trampoline, you know what that feels like when someone does that little thing where it shoots you up and you lose all control of your body and no telling what's going to happen. Well, I've been hurt more than once on a trampoline like that, but this time in particular, I got shot up into the air far enough, and I lost control of my body, and I didn't know where I was going to land. Well, Brian and I just landed together in this collision um, in the middle of the trampoline, and I don't know if it was my knee or if it was his knee that ended up in my eye, but somebody's knee hit my eye 
really hard. So my instinct in order to not be in trouble with my husband or not have my in-laws look at me like I'm an idiot is I just jumped up and I thought, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I got off the trampoline, but I thought, I'll just go in and act like nothing happened. No big deal. Go on with life. And then the pain set in. And so after a few minutes, I realized I'm not okay. And I was so not okay that I forgot about how mad Eric was going to be. I forgot about the judgment I might receive from the older adults who lived in the house. I just ran in and I was looking for help. When I went and looked in the mirror, I realized why it hurt so bad. I had already got this black eye that took up half my face. It was swollen. I looked like I had been in a fight with Rocky Balboa. It was so bad. And some of you have been hurt before, and you've gone through things, and you've been through tough times, and you may even have found yourself in a state of devastation. You know, it may have been that when you were young or closer to these guys' age, your mom told you, you know, those people say those things to you because they're jealous of you, honey. And that may be true. It probably was true, but it didn't help. Maybe you lost a job, and you thought another one would be right around the corner, and it wasn't. Or maybe you found yourself going through a divorce thinking, well, this was inevitable, but the next, the next partner will be right for me and, and things will get better. You know, life goes on. And then the pain set in. And you found yourself in a place where you had no peace. Well, let me just tell you this morning, that is not God's will for your life. It's not God's plan for you to be without peace, not even for one moment of one day. On April 17th of this year, just a little over a month ago, I received the most devastating news that I had ever received, hopefully that I ever have to receive. Um, I got the news that my little brother had passed away. Um, we, every year we take our staff to El Paso, Texas. We go to a conference there, and our department heads here get to hook up with their department heads. We've learned so much from the team there. And, but not only that, there's um, incredible speakers that come, and they, like Creflo Dollar and Brian Houston, people like that. And so Eric and I just take the opportunity to take our staff, and we just receive the word. And for like four or five days, we just soak it up, and it's so good. We look forward to it every year. So this year was no different. We went, and towards the end of the week was when Brian Houston was going to speak, and I wanted to hear Brian Houston. So the people that uh, the part of the team that came with me, we, we talked and we decided to stay through the end of the week so that we could hear Brian Houston. So on Friday morning, um, we're sitting in the service and I'm sitting next to my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, Eric's brother and his wife. And um, Pastor Charles had just introduced Brian Houston and he was taking the pulpit. And I was really excited. And then I get this text from my mom. And the text says something like, you must call me now in all caps. And my mom's not a dramatic person. She very rarely overreacts to anything. So I thought, okay, something's going on. I need to call. So I stepped out into the foyer and um, I called my mom. That's when she told me that my little brother had, had passed away. He was 37 years old. Um, he was an anesthesiologist and incredibly, incredibly smart. And he um, had had an issue, had a history of addiction. And he had gotten to uh, 
the place where, he, because of his history, he wasn't allowed to drink alcohol or anything like that. He could never have any kind of substances like that in his body because if they were to test him and it were to be found, he would lose his medical license. So he had gotten creative um, where his addiction was concerned, and that creativity had caught up with him. So at this moment, getting that information the whole room was spinning. I'm standing out there by myself, and I just, I don't know what to do. There's not one logical thought that I can form in my own mind. And I'm, I'm trying to calm down enough where I can contemplate what to do. I just thought I'm going to leave my team in there where they're, where they're listening to Brian Houston preach for a little bit. But I need my sister-in-law to bring me my things so I can figure out what to do. So I texted my sister-in-law and said, can you bring me my things? And she did. Well, when she came out and realized something was wrong, as well as several of the other staff members from the church had come over and they just started to take care of me after they found out what the deal was. Um, so at that moment, I just, you know, my sister-in-law said, you need to call Eric. Eric had already come back to Dallas because he had to teach at Christ for the Nations that day. So I said, you're right. Well, he's finishing a class right now, so it shouldn't be a big deal for me to call him right now. So I went ahead and made that phone call. Well, in the meantime, I had talked to my parents again, and they were trying to get to Seattle. My brother and sister-in-law had moved to Seattle about six or eight weeks prior to that. So my sister-in-law was there and didn't know anybody. They weren't going to be able to get to Seattle until late that night. So Eric and I made the decision that I needed to go from El Paso, Texas to Seattle, Washington, which apparently is nearly impossible to do, but for whatever reason, it's hard to get a flight from El Paso to Seattle. But we found one, and we figured out that I was going to be able to reach my sister-in-law hours before my parents could get there. So that's what I did. I flew to Seattle, and of course, greeting my sister-in-law, that was extremely hard. Um, which, by the way, she, she's pregnant. So she was about 10 weeks pregnant at this time, and uh, about two days prior with a blood test, they found out they were having a little boy, to which my brother was ecstatic about that news. He couldn't wait to have a son. So I get to Seattle, and I start taking care of my sister-in-law. She's just lost her husband. She's pregnant. I need to make sure that she's taking care of herself. So I make sure she's eating, and of course we cry together and... and talked about things, but mostly I was just in the mode of taking care of her. Several hours later, my parents came. They got there, and, you know, they had just lost their son, so I immediately start taking care of them. They come. Everybody's a mess. I kick into the mode where I'm just making sure everybody's okay. And for the next couple of weeks, that was the mode I was in. We planned a funeral. We actually moved my sister-in-law back to the Dallas area where she's from. We um, are all getting prepared to raise this baby together. And we're, you know, just deciding where we're going to go from here. Well, after those first couple of weeks, when everything settled down and it was time for life to go on, the pain set in. I realized that in all of that that we had gone through up to that point, I had never really dealt with the situation myself. I had only taken care of everyone else. So I found myself 
in a state of, it was just like I was in a fog. I couldn't function. I wasn't sleeping well at night. Um, I wasn't even able to connect my thoughts. Nothing was working right. I was sad all the time. Just overwhelming sadness had consumed me. And honestly, I found myself not really wanting to live. Not that I didn't have things to live for and I didn't want to die, but I knew that I could not live minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day with this kind of weight that I was bearing. I knew it wasn't possible, and it wasn't. And after, after I realized where I was, I just said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not God's plan for my life. This is not what he wants for me. And so I began to seek out what it was that he had for me. You know, I had kids to raise. I want to see who my kids marry. I want to be a grandma one day, not any day soon, but <laughs> at some point I do want to have grandchildren. You know, not to mention what Eric and I are building together. We'll, we're building a life together, a marriage and a ministry, and he's able to get the grace message out to more people right now than he ever has, and that's been his heart's desire. Not to mention the things that God has deposited into me personally. He's put things on the inside of me that I know are there for somebody in my future, and I have to be there to be able to deliver that to them. And so I just said, I cannot let this take me out. And you can't let anything take you out either. You can't afford to let those things that you're going through weigh you down to the point that you can't, you're no longer effective. Amen? And that bring, brought me to this scripture, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the kind of peace I needed. That's the kind of peace you need. And that's what God's will for your life is, that you have the peace that surpasses all understanding, that no matter what you're walking through, you can have peace with God. So I came up with this cute little alliteration so that you I could help you remember this message today. And I always laugh at Eric for his cheesy alliterations, but I, I made one up today for fun. So if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Number one, panic is the problem to put off. And I use the word panic because it matched, but it was anxiety is the word in the scripture. So panic is the problem to put off. Number two, prayer is the procedure to practice. And three, peace is the product you're promised. The scripture starts out by saying, be anxious for nothing. Now that's a tall order. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. All of a sudden that scripture became more alive to me than ever before. Few of us, are strangers to anxiety. It creeps in, whether it's big or small. Things come in, and they may even start out little, but then they begin to gnaw at you from the inside. I know most of you, if not all of you, know what I'm talking about. I read this about worry. It said, it can be a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind, 
and if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. And that's so true. That's exactly what anxiety and worry does. It doesn't matter whether you're anxious or worried over big things like your health or your kids. Maybe it's your job, money. Money's a big one that we worry about, growing older. Maybe it's even something a little more superficial like wrinkles. Now, that's becoming less and less superficial to me. But, or if, if, your if your house is clean enough. You know, some of us ladies were so concerned with that and so consumed with that. You know, I used to actually, I would not let people come over to my house unless my house was perfect. So Eric wasn't allowed to invite anybody over without letting me know ahead of time because I had to make sure. I got over that a long time ago. He's probably wishing I could, you know, go back a little bit, but. I just decided life's too short. Life is too short to make sure everything's perfect, to have your friends come over and hang out. We have too much fun at our house for me to worry about whether it's perfect. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 really quickly. Keep your finger in your Bible if you actually have a real Bible. Keep your finger at Philippians 4. We're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 25. And Jesus says here, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Has it helped you at all to this point? So why, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The key to this portion of scripture is found at the end of verse 30. Oh, you of little faith. See, you can continue to excuse your worry and your anxiety and say, well, it's only human to worry about some things or somebody has to worry about it. Some people, I've even heard them pride themselves in their ability to worry. They think that they're doing something noble for the cause by worrying about it. That's how they show that they care. But the issue is truly unbelief. And your faith is supposed to be a witness to others. You know, people aren't going to look at you when you're weighed down by all the cares and worries and anxiety of the things that you face in life and say, well, I want what you've got. But if they see you going through these things that should weigh you down, that should cause you to be anxious, yet you're not, they are going to say, where do you find your peace? I want what you've got. 
And what a great witness that is. You know, everything you see is how you look at it. When a photograph is taken, and not, not the kind of picture you take on your iPhone, but a real photograph, like old school, where you put a film and a camera, and a photographer would take a picture and then take that and go into the dark room. That image was captured the moment the picture was taken. Yet you don't see it until that image is put through a process to bring it out so that it can be seen. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The faith that's built up in you every time you open your word and every time you come to church and hear the word that Pastor Eric preaches, that's the faith that's going to keep you from fear and anxiety. When you open your word and you see what God says about you and you let that be a reflection of your life, pretty soon not only will you begin to see yourself like the word talks about you, but others will begin to see it too. And that's the witness that you're meant to have. When you open your word and you see it as a reflection of who God wants you to be and you receive that into your life and you say, by faith, this is who I am meant to be, then you'll, then you'll see the difference in your life and others will see it as well. You'll start to look like God. And that brings us to our second point. Prayer is the procedure to practice. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, I'm back at Philippians verse Uh, chapter 4, verse 6 again. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There was a grandma who was taking a trip. She was going to have to fly for the very first time in her life. Her kids were putting her on an airplane to go see her other kids and grandkids who lived across the country. And she was so nervous about it. And they kept saying, Grandma, it's okay. People fly all the time. You'll be just fine. Well, the whole family knew how nervous she was about this trip. So when she landed and she saw her kids and her grandkids, they were teasing her a little bit about it. And they said, Grandma, did you make it? Did that plane carry you all the way here? And she reluctantly said, yes. But then she added, but I never really did put all my weight down on it. (laughs) God is sustaining you, yet you never fully rely on his strength his wisdom, or his ability to carry you. We, we continue to try to carry some of the weight ourselves, not to, not to burden him too much. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants you to come to him. Your prayer time with God, it isn't just about you coming and asking what you want from him. It's about your relationship with him and spending time with him. Every relationship you have in your life, took it came to fruition by you taking the time to spend with that person, learning about them and them learning about you. And that, that's what God wants with you. Your prayer time is more about acknowledging that every good and perfect thing comes from God than it is you, ask, you just coming to God to petition the things that you have need of. And that's why we pray with thanksgiving. Because every good and perfect gift does come from God. And thankfulness will cause you to remember of God's supply in the past 
and trust in his sufficiency for the future. Because God took care of everything that you have need of on his son Jesus. And so when you go to him in prayer, you're thanking him that he already paid the price for you to have those things that you have need of. Amen? Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. You know, sometimes people won't ask God for things because they feel like it's too menial. It's too small to burden God with. And first of all, if it's big enough to cause you to stress over, to cause you to have anxiety over or worry about, then it's big enough that God wants to take care of it for you. And second of all, I just want to say this to you. Is there anything in your life that's big to God? Isn't it all small to him? So when you have anything great or small burdening you, go to God with it. Talk to him about it. Go boldly to God in, with thankful prayer, thanking him for the solution to whatever it is you have need of. And that brings us to number three, peace. Peace will be the product you're promised. In verse 7 of Philippians 4, It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, people in the world, they search for peace. A lot of people are on a quest for peace, and they try in so many ways, whether it be through substances or through relationships. Everybody's looking for peace. You know, there's TV shows about these people who talk to the dead, who try to find peace, and maybe a, a loved one who's uh, gone on before them and they had unresolved issues in their relationship, and they'll have these people try to talk to the dead to find peace. There's even um, a suggestion that some licensed therapists will give people that if they just quote a phrase over and over again, it can be any phrase, they just tell them, Find a phrase, memorize it, and when you don't have peace, quote that phrase over and over and over again. Isn't that ridiculous? Doesn't that sound like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? Yet people are in such a pursuit of peace that they'll do anything. They'll try anything. I'm sure you've seen it in the lives of family members or maybe even in your own life, just the desperate attempt to find peace. You know, in those weeks that followed after uh, my brother passed away, the only way, the best way that I can describe it is I just felt like I was walking around giving a polar bear a piggyback. It was just this heavy, heavy heaviness that I was walking around with just minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, and then trying to pretend it wasn't there when it was so obvious it was there. You know, the people that know me well, they knew I wasn't myself. Um, the people that didn't know me well probably didn't like me because I didn't have a much to say or any connection with people. I wasn't uh, very pleasant to be around. I'm sure I felt short-tempered a lot just because I felt this heavy stress on me all the time. And when I would try to communicate with the Lord, whether it be reading the Word or praying It was, it was difficult because I had this facade of peace 
that wasn't peace at all. The peace that I thought that I had gained through helping everybody else and the peace that I thought I had by thinking, well, over time, this polar bear will grow smaller and easier to carry. But it didn't. But I was scared to, to address it because it was so painful. But I knew I had to. And once I let the Lord in and I opened that thing up, and I said, okay, God, I need healing. I need real peace. It was like that thing fell off of me, and I was able to, and it was emotional, and it was raw, and it was hard, but it was like I was able to really connect with the God who is my peace once again. And that's what I want to encourage you. I know, I know some of the things that some of you are walking through. Some of them I don't know anything about, but I know you're walking through stuff. And I just want to encourage you, go to the Lord. He will be faithful to give you the peace that you need. Amen. Don't live another minute without the peace of God in your life. I have one more story and I'll finish with this. There was a woman who woke up about three o'clock in the morning to find her husband pacing the floor in her bedroom. And she said, what are you doing? You've been up all night pacing. And he said, well, you know that thousand dollars that I borrowed from our neighbor, Sam? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm supposed to pay it back tomorrow and I don't have it. And she said, okay. She got up from the bed. She went over to the window. She raised the window and she said, Sam, Sam, and she kept yelling his name until he came to the window, opened the window, and half asleep said, yeah, what's up? And she said, you know that thousand dollars my husband borrowed from you that he's supposed to pay you back tomorrow? And he said, yeah. She said, well, he doesn't have it. She shut the window and she went back to bed. And she said, now Sam can pace the floor all night and you can go to bed and get some sleep. <laughs> God's waiting for you to burden him with the things that you're carrying around. He's waiting to carry those things for you so that you can have peace in your life because you're not meant to walk one more minute without peace. It's unnecessary and it's unfruitful. So, so do what it takes. Put, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Amen? Amen? Bow your heads with me and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are so good to us. And Lord, Jesus, we thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us to have peace. And we receive it now, no longer. Lord, we repent of those things that we've been carrying around. And we just say, no more, no more. In the name of Jesus, we just cast those things off of us and onto you. We thank you, Lord, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And we say, we'll carry that. And we thank you, Father, that as you give us peace, that we will be a reflection of you to the people that we come in contact with. That our lives would be a reflection of you because the peace that we're experiencing. So not only do we get to walk and live in peace, but we get to lead others into a peaceful life. And Lord, I thank you that the peace that passes all understanding, guards our hearts and minds so that when those things that are anxious or worrisome try to come in, that we're guarded because we're guarded in your peace. And Father, that we just thank you, Lord, that our lives can be in your hand where those things can no longer penetrate. We thank you for it, Lord. We receive your peace. And Lord, 
I just pray for anybody here today who maybe doesn't even know the source of peace. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And I just want to pray for you right now. If that's you, all it takes is your faith to agree with the words that, I, that I'm about to say. Lord, we acknowledge that you died and were buried with our sins on you. And three days later, you were raised from the dead. And our sins stayed in the grave. And we thank you, Lord, that we're able to receive newness of life because you did that for us. And thank you, Lord, that we get to walk in peace every day because of that commitment that we've made to follow you. We receive it now. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.